Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conferences in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Time for another Fun Belt podcast. It is that time of the week. We are excited to be back. Uh, a quarter uh, has gone, come and gone, right? Uh, we have week four in the books. Uh, so there, there's stuff and things that have happened, gents. Uh, we have a winner, winner chicken dinner uh, over there uh, with Dusty Thibodeau. He's an excited fella. I know that. Um, and uh, there was a coaching change. Like, what just happened, boys? How are we doing from, uh, from you know, HowRazor.com, of course, Jeremy Harper and Dusty Thibodeau of the Warhawk Report. Fellas, um, it's been bananas, and it's been a month. Yeah, we got like a, a quarterback put into the ICU. We got, we've got a coach get fired, and it all seemed to happen within the like five hours of each other. We've had players car surfing and chugging beers. It's yeah, mayhem. Yeah. That's just no, uh, we've had controversial calls from the SEC that may have cost the Sun Belt. A, a nice feather in its cap. So, uh, Jeremy, hand been a Kleenex. If you're going to bring that up, hand him a Kleenex. <laughs> I, I, I might just ship him a box of Kleenexes because he has every right to be upset with that call. Now, here's the thing I always thought of blaming the refs as sort of a loser's mentality. You know, part of and it the, is. Yeah, part of the game is the refs are going to make mistakes, and, and you, part of the game plan has to be to overcome that, right? But if there is one, if there was one missed call that really did affect the outcome of a game, it was that game. That that was an atrocious call made by those refs in the Auburn Georgia State game. It really cost not just Georgia State, but the entire Sun Belt a really good win there, and that was just a damn shame. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was tough, it, you know, and, and being alive, you know, seeing it happen, uh, you know, I'll always look at the reaction of the crowd, right? You know, you you, you want to say, all right, so you have obviously the visiting fans that are there. They want the call. They, they wanted to go their own way. You look at the home call, and they replayed it a total of two times on the jumbo board there in Jordan-Hare. And it was – they had the one angle, and the other angle was like, oh. <laughs> like, it was like a collective, like, yeah, that didn't happen. You can see the ball bounce. Um, the call actually before it, too, on the sidelines, the wide receiver kind of tried to do the toe tap. Didn't he have it? Did he not? Some of the Georgia State coaching staff was was looking for that. Um, only eight flags thrown the entire game. You know, both coaches were not super thrilled with that. Obviously, Coach Elliott was super uh, upset with that specific call. Uh, it did move it from basically the 30-yard line to just outside the 10. Um, the Panthers just weren't able to do that. But, Truthfully, there were, there were several different plays uh, in that game. 
Uh, the Panthers were trying to salt the game away. Had 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 the ball second and eleven. Little little flare pass to their uh, senior running back Destin Coates, and he uh, he gets tripped up by the turf monster. Uh, nobody in front of him, and uh, he falls on the ground. Only gets three, and the next play, Darren Granger sacked, and then you know uh, you know the Panthers have to punt it away. So there were a lot of mistakes in in that game. You know, ultimately, I think uh, thirty offensive plays for eighty nine yards for the Panthers in the second half. It's just not good enough to beat an SEC team on the road. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it certainly stings. You know, it would have been another big-time marquee Power 5 win for the Sun Belt. And, and uh, as, as we know and we've discussed plenty, uh, it seems like almost every single year there seems to be a, a Sun Belt team beating a Power 5 team in, in shocking fashion, and the Panthers almost had their shot. Yeah, and that would have been a nice win. But, yeah, you're right. You did bring up one thing. Georgia State shut out in the second half. And, and that, of course, contributes to the loss. You know, they had to find a way to score some points, at least, you know, put a little bit of buffer between an Auburn team that probably wasn't going to go down easy. But you got to give credit to that uh, Georgia State defense, you know, uh, uh, and they literally did shut that guy down, on, shut the Auburn down on fourth down and still didn't get the call. But congratulations in a moral victory. Oh, my God. For Georgia State, I am sorry to call it that. <laughs> what, are, what, what are the famous words of, of Jeremy Harper? FCS mentality. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is FCS mentality. Oh, my God. Well, you know, when you're one and three going into the uh, conference play, then uh, you start adopting that FCS mentality. And, and, it, and it's tough, truly, boys. I mean, the thing about it, ultimately, I mean, we, we talked about it in August and we kind of, you know, started the, the you know, looking at the non-conference schedules. I mean, ultimately, the Panthers, I mean, they – their schedule's been brutal. I mean, the, the, the teams are 12 and four combined. Uh, Army is undefeated. Uh, I was a little surprised and certainly driving back to Atlanta to see the butt kicking that North Carolina took from Georgia Tech. So that was a little salty. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, they're, they're really good teams. You know, Charlotte won as well. So uh, the non-conference schedule for the Panthers was, was been pretty tough and uh, interested to see what happens. And obviously, we'll get into it with, uh, you know, with conference play opening in earnest uh, this weekend. Ugly. As that game was, though, Ben, it was not as ugly as whatever the hell Eastern Michigan plays on. <laughs> yeah, Dusty, I saw that game or the majority of that game on the dark sorcery that is ESPN3. And I was really expecting uh, the Bobcats to kind of sh- shake off that sort of embarrassment from getting beat by Incarnate Word. Now, I know that there's still um, – I know they still have some COVID issues, that they still have some depth issues, but getting beat on that god-awful gross field that Eastern Michigan has. One of my favorite things about the broadcast is that the announcers were talking about their the Eastern Michigan's gray field. And they said, there's a real special story about this gray field. And that story is, it's a parking lot. <laughs> I just was like, I'm like, a parking lot. That's the story? God, that's disgusting. It looks like dirty ice. But, but what was even more disgusting was the way te- the Texas Bobcats played. They really had nothing. They couldn't wrap up. They couldn't throw. They couldn't run. They couldn't run a defense. Eastern Michigan did whatever they wanted to the Texas uh, State Bobcats. And I really don't know if the Bobcats had anything in their tank to get them through this conference play. But – Brady McBride, three touchdowns. But <laughs> Brady McBride, three touchdowns. Sure. <laughs> Jeremy, your, your Red Wolves, they did everything they could to make the game interesting. They wound up losing by seven to Tulsa, but 
but they gave up 663 yards to the hurricane singular, not <laughs> singular. Yeah, they, they had two explosive plays that were really the difference to keep the game that close. I don't think the game was that close from what I saw. Uh, Johnny Lang, seven, uh, 63 yard punt return. Alan Lamar, 73 yards on a kickoff return. That's 14 of your points right there. So, you know, the special without special teams, I think that's what you're really looking at on that final score. Well, that's one way to look at it, but special teams is still part of the game of football. And if you watched the Red Wolves last year, special teams were uh, not very good at all. So it was actually a, kind of encouraging to Red Wolves fans to see the special teams play so well, not only just scoring points, which is something they used to do regularly, uh, but also making tackles. So that was nice. The, the defense is obviously uh, not doing well. I think it's ranked out of 130 teams, 130th in the nation. Uh, that's just not going to cut it at all. Uh, and the offense, uh, they did okay against Tulsa, but they uh, Blackman, just uh, James Blackman, the, the newly minted starting quarterback, uh, a lot of people thought he did pretty well. I saw him overthrow the ball a lot. He, he made his wide receivers do a lot of jumping, which which I think uh, kind of created some some bad situations for the wide receivers. And the running game's only getting 1.5 yards a carry. So there's a lot to – there's a lot, what Butch Jones said after the game is that the team is very one-dimensional, and that's a bit of an understatement. I don't know how they get out of that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this Georgia Southern game. The one game I did watch was Coastal One, hooray. They had 30 first downs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then <laughs> ULM won again, baby. How great is that? And you know what's even better? I won the money line and the defensive par parlay or prop bet. I won them both. And, you know, when, when, when I saw the guy – get the deflection for the interception. I was like, yeah, he'll get tackled around midfield. Oh, he's at the 40, the 30. Uh, you know, you can't cheer in the press box. So inside I'm just screaming. Meanwhile, I'm going, yeah, it's okay. Play. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> in the press box, Dusty. Come on. Yeah. You gotta be professional. I, I, I was very professional in the press box, even though I was surrounded by the likes of Adam Primagas from Troy <laughs> our our guest oh i hope you weren't rude friend of the fun belt podcast <laughs> yeah well well you know and, and and while we were watching that georgia state game in the press box his feed was about two minutes ahead of mine so he would go god and i'd go i have no idea what's about to happen over <laughs> and over and over again and i just wanted to like pick up my my mac and throw it at him but i didn't it's a professional environment so we rolled on anyway Latest on Rhett Rodriguez, he is supposed to be getting released from the hospital tomorrow on Wednesday. Obviously, will not be playing this week as they travel to Coastal Carolina. 34-and-a-half-point dogs. I still like that spread. Um, so, we're going to see Chandler Rogers. He had some snaps against Kentucky, had some snaps against Jackson State, handful of snaps on Saturday uh, against Troy. But needless to say, you're still breaking in another quarterback. We'll talk about that, though, when we go to the future. <laughs> then there was the all-hell-break-loose game. Louisiana Lafayette really had to hold on and, and keep 
the Golden Eagles uh, from using the Magic Creek water to win that game. Um, Cajuns, three or 14 on third down conversions. Levi Lewis doing his thing, three passing touchdowns. But the Eagles just didn't have quite enough to really get ahead. They were always playing from behind. And then after the game, the video surfaces of a player smashing beers on the bus. And now we have our first casualty of the Sunbelt Conference coaching carousel. All that to say, we are going to gotta with Matt Munaney. Did I say it right? No, it's Monty. It's fine, though. We got Matt Monty from Gata Talk to give us everything about Georgia Southern. Welcome in, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yes, please help us solve all the mysteries surrounding what's happening at Georgia Southern in the last couple, well, the last four weeks, and and maybe talk a little bit, too, about who you expect to see being a coaching candidate at uh, Georgia Southern. Sure, yeah. Honestly, I don't know if there's that much mystery to it. I mean, obviously, Coach Lunsford um, in his fourth season was on his, uh, you know, on the hot seat. Um, I obviously, getting fired four games in, I don't think most uh, people or fans or experts would have uh, expected that. Uh, but as Dusty mentioned, uh, that video surfaced online uh, around midday on Sunday. Um, certainly following uh, a 28 to 20 loss to Louisiana going 0 and 1 um, and some will play and uh, 1 and 3 to start the season. Um, that video was pretty much the nail in the coffin, um, you know, for Lunsford. It, uh, you know, the team has lacked discipline um, at times, especially this year, uh, but certainly in the last um, four years under his watch. Um, you know, he's very much a player's coach, a rah-rah guy, a man of high character, of high faith. I mean, no one in, in Georgia's other circles are going to say uh, a bad thing about Chad Luns for the man. Um, but I think it was becoming increasingly clear that he was kind of losing hold of this program. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, I, I, think, I think if the video hadn't surfaced, he probably would have been given, you know, a bit of a longer leash, um, probably the next three games, three games that I think are, are winnable games. Uh, you know, we, we think that we obviously had a, a good chance against Louisiana. Um, you know, you, you ask, I, I mean, you know, myself, and my co-host, I think that we were the better team in that game. I think it was coaching decisions that, um, that lost it. You know, we had four penalties in the game. Um, and four huge penalties. They were all dis, uh, you know, discipline errors. Um, ironically enough, Gavin Adcock, the player that now is indefinitely uh, suspended, um, that was seen in the video chugging a beer on top of the moving yellow school bus, um, he uh, was the culprit in the first big mistake uh, that on, I believe, Louisiana's fourth drive of the game gave them new life on a fourth of one, jumping off sides. Um, you just can't do it. You know, so, I mean, it, it was just terrible optics, terrible look. Um, we also had a leaping penalty, which I don't think you ever see, <laughs> hardly ever see, um, of the guy jumping over center um, on a oh, field yeah, goal, yeah. Uh, you know, held, held them to a field goal. Instead, <clears throat> they get new life once again, get a touchdown off of it. So, yeah, the, the, the four penalties directly <laughs> led to at least 14 points uh, for Louisiana, which was more than the difference in the game. Um, and so fans were, were stewing over that seat was already hot then that video surfaces that's all she wrote 
Matt, tell me a little bit about your interim coach, uh, Kevin Whitley. He, he's the cornerbacks coach. Uh, what kind of experience does he have with the team and what do you expect out of him? Yeah, so he, I mean, they say, and I haven't fact-checked this, but they say he's the only uh, coach on staff with head coaching experience, albeit in high school. Um, now, he was a very <laughs> successful high school coach, um, had uh, three stints at, at Georgia high schools, turned all three of them around, has like a crazy record of like 82 and 12 or something like that, um, for what it's worth. But uh, he's an Irk Russell player um you know he 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 played at georgia southern he knows the traditions he knows you know the the decorum and and what you should be doing on the yellow school bus and what you shouldn't be doing um and you know he's i think he's i don't want to say a no-nonsense guy i think he's still very much a player's coach like lunsford um but you're, I think you're going to see a more disciplined team. I think, you know, you might not see it immediately, um, but obviously he's got a long road ahead of him um, with, uh, you know, uh, two thirds of the season left to play. Um, so I, I think going down the road, you're going to see a more uh, disciplined, hungry, kind of together team. Um, and uh, yeah. Is Whitley a candidate or is he just sort of filling in? <laughs> not at, no, not, not at this point. I mean, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see, right. I mean, he hasn't coached the game yet. Um, you know, my co-host and I talked about it on our latest episode that we released today um, that, you know, he, he, uh, my co-host posed that question of <laughs> let's say he gets on a run. Let's say, you know, I mean, bro, and one in the Sun Belt, we could highly unlikely, but we could make a run still win the East, still win the Sun Belt Championship. And that happens, obviously, you have to have some tough conversations, right? Um, but we just went through this, uh, you know, with Lunsford. Um, that was an emotional, rash hire after a very, very poor head coaching hire in, uh, in Tyson Summers. Coach Lunsford was the right guy for that interim job, just like I think Coach Whitley is. But should we have pulled the trigger on him back in, you know, 2017 after going two and four as the interim, making the full-time head coach? Of course, we had the huge turnaround going from 10 losses to 10 wins in 2018. Um, biggest turnaround in college football history. Um, but, you know, so, but then it kind of tapered off. And we, and we saw what Coach Lunsford could be and I, I think that's kind of a mediocre coach um mediocre head coach so um no i, I wouldn't i wouldn't jump the gun again if, if he ends up just running off a bunch of wins and you know we achieve our goals of the Sun Belt, um at least east division title you know circle back <laughs> but uh right now no I, I don't i don't think he's he's gonna be really uh highly considered the, uh, the interesting part to me always, and, and, and knowing this state as I do, and, and you know as well, Matt, uh, there seems to be kind of an old guard Georgia yeah. Southern fan fandom, uh, and there's kind of the newer guard. Yeah. Um, how, how much have you seen and heard, obviously, since Sunday afternoon? Uh, because even the reaction on social media, obviously the players know Lunsford and, and were you know, wanting him, and um, but just even seeing some of the recent players – um, I know that doesn't always factor with decision makers, but, um, you know, to your point, I mean, th this will be an emotional now, you know, few mm -hmm. games moving forward for Kevin Whitley, who I got to know pretty well. He coached Stockbridge High School uh, yeah. in Henry County, where, where I went to school. So um, I, I know that area well and have, have been to Stockbridge and seen his team play. But 
what's kind of the the I guess the the push pull here in when December comes? You know, when the season's over, you're looking at it. Uh, who ultimately wins out? Is it, is it the influential boosters or hey, obviously the the younger younger base and, and folks who are going to the games and supporting the team that way. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Ben, and and you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that it's been a tug of war, war for a few years now, but I think the biggest uh, thing here is leadership at the top, right? And that starts with the AD. So we had an AD change uh, within last year, Jared Banco, um, 20 years of experience in the SEC, comes from Mississippi State, was at Auburn for a while, was essentially their CFO of their athletic department, um, did great things with their their budget. He's already done great things. I think got a really good um, head coach hire for men's basketball. Um, he also, uh, we have $68 million um, um, uh, guaranteed now in the works for uh, facility upgrades, including indoor practice facility and a new convocation center, which will be the home to that men's basketball team, as, as well as women's basketball and volleyball. Um, you know, those are fundraising efforts that we haven't really seen here in a long time um, at Georgia Southern. And uh, he he obviously is a no-nonsense guy, right? I mean, he's, he's uh, everyone likes him, um, but I, I think this sent a really loud message um, that, you know, if, if, if things aren't going the right way, he will step in and do something about it. Um, and, and, and we'll wait around, um, you know, to see if things get better. So I think uh, that would be my answer to that with the, where that old guard, as you say, um, had a lot of influence with previous athletic directors. And I think you saw that influence in some of these last hires I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I really don't. Um, obviously, you know, money uh, speaks volumes. Um, we do have some big donors uh, in in that old guard. Um, but Jared Banco in his uh, press conference on Monday made it clear that you know we're looking for a CEO of this football program. You know, we're looking for someone that that can run it as a true leader. Um, Primarily, I think I, this is me speaking um, of my wish list, but someone with head coaching experience, which probably means FCS. Um, but you know, maybe maybe get someone that that lost an opportunity at, at a bigger school. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a true national search. And honestly, we didn't have that last time. Um, obviously, with the Lunsford hire. And going back to the Tyson Summers hire, um, you know, I, I think you. Uh, if you follow the coaching changes, they all go from the Paul Johnson tree. They all go from the Munkin tree or associations with Willie Fritz. Um, so you look at all these lists, and I mean, even the national media catches on to it. You just see the same retreads, the same, the same names. That's not going to be it. I, 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 I fully expect a name. You know, it's not going to be a Brian Bohan, and I'd be really surprised. Um, you know, I don't even think it's going to be an option guy. We can get into that, um, but I, I, I think this is going to be as Benko says. You know a splash hire a big hire i think we're going to pony up money um to make it happen um to the to the tune of a million dollars plus to be honest with you so you mentioned earlier that the fans were pretty frustrated with a lot of the offensive woes mm -hmm. despite that the eagles are still second in the sunbelt uh rushing 233 yards a game um but this defense is is really a huge question mark their teams are a perfect 12 for 12 in the red zone against Georgia Southern with you having a defensive guy though, as your interim head coach, do you think that that's going to help put more emphasis on the defense or do you think that'll be a bigger distraction and the defense might even actually take a step back? 
I don't think they can get any worse. Um, I mean, I, the, the secondary has been very bad. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we thought was going to be a strong point of the defense coming in. Obviously you have Derek Canteen leads the nation in interceptions last year. Um, first time really getting much playing time. Uh, he's out for the year. Um, we have had some big injuries already. Um, you know, we lost, uh, a, a stud linebacker um, and uh, Todd Bradley Glenn uh, before the season even started um, and then just lost another linebacker for the year. Um, so the, yeah, the defense under Scott Sloan has been kind of the main consistent, I would say um, under, uh, under Lunsford and in, in his tenure, obviously we've gone through, uh, you know, uh, two offensive coordinators, um, now with, with Doug Roos, who was with us under Willie Fritz and, and 14 and 15. Um, but yeah, I mean, the secondary, they've, they've been burned on many of occasion, um, obviously against Arkansas state. I know they, uh, they're up and I don't know if they lead the nation. Um, but, uh, Jeremy, I'm sure can correct me here, <laughs> but, 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 but they're up there in, in passing guards, I think like 368 a game or something like that. Um, and, uh, Georgia Southern, the secondary has given up more plays of uh, more passing plays of 40 plus yards than anyone in the nation. Um, we're 130 out of 130. So, um, yeah, it, it, it needs a lot of work. I, you know, to answer your question, I mean, with, with Whitley there, I, I don't think it will, I don't know if you'll see a difference. I mean, I, I, th I think you'll see a difference overall with the play, um, you know, and, and uh, this first game, you know, with kind of the hangover of, of Lunsford being let go again, the players really liked him. Um, so, so we'll see what kind of immediate influence if at all uh, Whitley has on the team. Um, but I don't think the secondary play can get any worse. Um, the run, the run um, defense has been okay. Um, I don't think that will matter much against Arkansas state. Um, and, and frankly, a lot of the Sun Belt. Um, you know, we, we know we've got to um, up our, our pass coverage. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and we kind of saw this last year too, is only I'll, I'll end with this, uh, that we, uh, the secondary got burned a lot in the first half of the season and they got things together, um, last year. And obviously Derek, Derek Canteen had his big year, like I said. So, um, we'll see with time. I, I think they will start getting it together. They just haven't been cohesive. They haven't been consistent. Um, you know, they actually made some plays against Louisiana, and uh, but then they turn around on the next drive and give up a, a 55, uh, you know, yard pass uh, for touchdown. So, yeah. You know, Matt, first of all, I, I you, you're right. You're not going to have to worry too much about that Red Wolves defense, whether it's pass or the run. I think we rank uh, 130th in the nation in total defense. So there's really not going to be a whole lot of defense on Saturday when Arkansas State comes to Boone. I was impressed, though, with how the uh, how the Eagles bottled up that Cajun run game. I, 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 I they didn't they had the one score, but they didn't get pile up a whole lot of yards. It was mostly the Levi Lewis show. But I didn't want to talk about the Cajun uh, uh, run game or, or or even the defense for for Georgia Southern, which is probably a sore point for you anyway. I want to talk about Gerald Green who can, yeah. seems to have come out of nowhere, piled up three touchdowns against the Cajuns. Is he the new bell ringer for the Eagles? Because it, it's been a little bit of Logan. Um, uh, and Wright. Yeah, yeah. And Logan Wright, yeah. And and a little bit of uh, Gerald Green. But now Gerald Green seems like the guy. Is he going to be the guy going forward? 
Well, I mean, Logan Wright against Gardner Webb in the season opener had mm-hmm. uh, 170, 180 yards. Gerald Green follows it now with with 178 or so yards against Louisiana. We have a loaded backfield. Um, I, I think most people know that. JD Keene coming off of a, uh, a leg injury, he led us last year in rushing. Um, it's it's really, yeah, it's 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 a uh, um, it's a tough situation because we know any of these guys are RB ones and it's just getting them in the right position. I'm getting them on the field as much as possible, even doing like two back sets and things like that. Um, Gerald green has impressed me. I mean, honestly, we talked about this on, on uh, got to talk that every time it seems that he um, gets a chance, he, he shows out. Um, he did that last year um, against, I think South Alabama, if I remember right with a long, like 68 yard run um, and giving us new life when, when the offense was just, um, you know, Bob DeBess was uh, on the hot seat, um, ended up losing his job anyway. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that was kind of a, a sign of life um, for them. So uh, we've got Jalen White uh, too back there who um, you probably don't hear his name much. He's still a younger guy. He actually led the nation um, in rushing in high school, uh, set Alabama high school uh, state record um, with like something like crazy, like 35, 500 rushing yards a senior year or something insane. Um, and, uh, and I was, uh, USA today, all American. Um, he's back there. Uh, Sam Kinnerson now, who's one of our quarterbacks, um, is, uh, he's mainly wide receiver. Um, haven't really tried him out at running back yet. Uh, but we've got Amara Jones transfer from Tulane, um, as well. He, uh, sat out the Louisiana game, uh, with an injury that he sustained against Arkansas, um, but he'll be back soon. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, I'd like to see Gerald Green get more touches, um, but I'd, I'd like to see everybody get more touches and like maybe focus a little less on, on the passing and uh, get get more creative on, um, you know, do some more option plays, which, again, you know, we haven't really got into that yet, but um, do some more true like option plays, option pitches um, and, and multiple back sets. What's your realistic expectations for the rest of the year? Because the schedule does, um, you know, at least to us as we, as we see it and we you know, kind of follow the whole league. Um, the, you know, there, there are, you know, obviously huge landmines, you know, we know what coastal can do, you know, we know the rivalry obviously there with, uh, Appalachian state yeah, um, and certainly what they're doing. Uh, also the history of, of Georgia Southern knocking them off, you know, in, in key spots there, you know, the rivalry, uh, there, of course, with Georgia state as well, uh, comes down to Paulson. Um, what's, what's kind of the realistic now that you have kind of an interim coach, because yeah. um, again, as much as everyone would love pie in the sky seven and one, it's probably going to be going going against uh, you, know, you, you know what what will be favored on certainly on paper. Sure. Um, so I would say if this change didn't just happen, right? It, um, we were probably looking at a three to five win season under Lunsford. Um, I think six and six was pretty much our ceiling. Um, and I think most fans, I think even Jared Bancar AD probably saw that. Um, and yeah, so it was why, why kind of wait, let's go ahead and make this, uh, this change now. Um, again, uh, Kevin Whitley, hasn't coached a game yet. Let me see, you know, get back to me um, after Arkansas state. And let me see if there's, there's differences, if there's uh, better clock management, if it's more disciplined play, um, if maybe, uh, you know, some variations in the play calling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, depending on that, we're, we're still probably a, a three to, to five win team. Um, you know, I, I think making a bowl game, I don't want to say winning, you know, winning the East, 
<laughs> winning this ML championship. That's more of a pipe dream now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think depending on if the team can rally behind the interim coach, we could potentially get to six and six and get in a bowl. Um, I, I would say that, that you know, that or, or um, seven wins, you know, would be, I, I think people would be ecstatic with that right now, which is, which is sad, but yeah. Well, Matt, we thank you for joining us and giving us the lowdown there on the Eagles. Uh, we appreciate it. Tell people how we can uh, check out your work. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Um, so you can find us. It's Gata talk is G A T A T A L K um, at Gata talk podcast on all your social medias. Um, Gata talk.com uh, uh, where is where you can uh, find us and, and, and follow us. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, um, Google podcasts, all of that. So um, yeah, definitely come and check us out. Um, and uh, we're, we're the only fan podcast out there. Um, so you'll definitely hear different takes that you won't hear from, from Danny Reed and, and people associated with the university. Um, and uh, you know, this is, we, we started back in 2018 when coach Lunsford um, uh, you know, was his first year as full-time head coach. Uh, so it's me interesting. This is our, our first time kind of doing this uh, through a coaching change and, uh, you know, and we'll obviously help usher in the, the new coach. So um, definitely some, uh, some, some changing, challenging, but also exciting times ahead. Well, best of luck, Matt. Uh, I, I hope you lose miserably on Saturday, <laughs> but win the rest of your games moving forward. I appreciate that. I'm surprised you guys didn't ask about the option, but I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go. <laughs> no, well, yeah, we'll just go wait and see how that works out. All right. <laughs> but, Thanks, guys. So some crazy stats still around uh, from the Sun Belt as we get ready to preview uh, week five. Opponents are just 19% converting against South Alabama. 19%. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> what, and, and if you would have asked me what is South Alabama's strength, I would not have told you defense. Oh. I would have said that they're a straight offensive team and a good enough defense to keep you in check. You know what? I would have said the opposite. I always felt like South Alabama's offense was a little anemic, especially that run game. And then with Womack coming in with his defensive background, I kind of expect that South Alabama would bow up a little bit on defense. But, you know, I, I, I was putting together my list of uh, athletic directors for the How Razor sh- uh, Sunbelt Sheriff's Badge, and the athletic director for South Alabama is one of the three that came to the top. And simply because they're three and zero, and they played some fairly good opponents, and they've got a brand new coach and a brand new attitude. I don't know if they're elite yet. We'll have to see. Uh, I think this game against, I guess we'll preview in a second against Cajuns. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly establish that, but I like what I see so far with South Alabama. So as we look forward to week five, first game we got to look at ULM. Two and one ULM uh, travels to the undefeated, nationally ranked Coastal Carolina. Here's your great stat of it. No team has converted a fourth down conversion against ULM. Coastal is five for five on fourth down conversions. <laughs> Something's got to give. All right. Well, let me, before Ben weighs in on this, I want to weigh in on first. Yeah, I was actually quite appalled watching that UMass game. And then I kind of, with uh, my appalled nature deepened thinking about this non-con that the coast, that Coastal Carolina has played. They played three home games. 
Uh, they played really the bottom of the barrel, except for Buffalo, which they had a very tough time with. And so when I was putting together the 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 Sunbelt Sheriff list, Sheriff's badge list, I could not come up with Coastal Carolina. I feel like that non-con's a joke, and I really don't feel like they're adequately prepared to play a Sunbelt uh, a Sunbelt uh, schedule. I don't think this their non-con did them any favors. So uh, I don't know if ULM comes into Conway and, and pulls what they did against Troy. We all know that Troy has trouble scoring points and uh, Coastal Carolina won't have trouble scoring points. I suspect that Coastal Carolina is going to win this game, but you're right about that, that, uh, that, uh, that spread, Dusty. I think it's too big. I don't think they make – I don't think they cover. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it was eye-popping, right? You know, you're seeing it and you're saying five, five touchdowns. It seems it's excessive, you know. Um, this, isn't, this isn't a winless ULM team from last year or the, or the you know, previous. And I think, um, you know, again, there, there just seems to be something. It's like the CD skipping, right? You know, there's something just not right specifically with Coastal. Uh, extremely interested to see what it looks like for them uh, this weekend. Um, you know, they're, they're going to get punched in the mouth pretty good, I think, defensively. I mean, Dusty's been saying it for a few weeks. This ULM defense is legitimate. Um, there's a lot of film, certainly on Coastal right now, uh, a lot of film on, on, you know, Grayson McCall and see what he can and can't do well. He still is obviously super efficient uh, running that offense. But, um, you know, it's you, you have a situation where they continue to ascend. I think they're still the highest they've ever been or, or even the Sunbelt team has been ranked. In the AP poll, I think I saw that note pop out from the Sunbelt office. So, um, you know, interesting to see how they they ha- continue to handle success. And and I mean, there there's people that are telling them, hey, look, you know, you you went out, you keep doing this, you know, you're you're going to be, you know, in a New Year's Six bowl. And uh, at some point, these are 18 and 22 year olds, and getting here, how awesome you are. Um, you may not practice as hard. You may not pay attention to film as hard. You may not listen to the coaches as hard. Um, you know, and, and again, this is not the, the ULM of old, as we've continued to say. App State heads to Georgia State. Ben, give us the, your preview of that one. I think that uh, App State just continues rolling on. You know, they got the big win last week against Marshall. Uh, I think Georgia State is still going to be maybe having a little bit of a pity party from the Auburn game that, uh, <laughs> you know, the Mountaineers just kind of roll. Yeah, to- Tough, tough, uh, really uh, tough assignment, you know, right? Coming off of a physical and emotional game on the road, um, you know, not only the coaches, but the players thought they were, you know, kind of job there that thought they uh, played as well as they could. Um, also, App gets a couple extra days uh, of, prep, uh, you know, prep time, basically, um, you know, playing on that Thursday night on ESPN, uh, which drew over a million uh, viewers. So, obviously, good for the league there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many weapons um, there for App State, you have to worry about Chase Price. We know how, how well he plays, how how, um, how strong. Uh, and I think the biggest difference too is, especially for looking at last year's result, kind of comparing that. It was a you know uh, five point game final. Uh, App really couldn't move the ball. Uh, neither could Georgia State. To be honest, uh, quarterback play was not great. Uh, but now you have you know App State's full complement of receivers back. Uh, that's going to be a problem. Um, this, the Panthers secondary has been shaky. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the non-conference play, uh, but they have been very good against the run. And, uh, you know, as, as Coach Sean Elliott said in his presser on Monday, uh, he knows everything about App State. He's an App State graduate, so uh, he, he knows everyone on that sidelines. Uh, you know, he, he knows Sean Clark really, really well. Uh, the two defenses are extremely similar. Uh, very, you know, they run a variation, basically, of the old Nate Woody 3-4 attacking scheme. So, 
Um, very interested to see what that looks like. Um, the weather's supposed to be spectacular for uh, for Saturday afternoon, but I agree with you. I mean, if I had to had to lean one way, it's certainly going to be App State and a uh, 10-point favorite there. Uh, other than last year, the games have been blowouts. So I'm very interested to see what, what the mindset is for the Panthers and uh, do like App State in the game. Yeah, you know, I look at this Panthers team, and I see a Panthers team that that is coming off a win against Charlotte, a Panthers team that got robbed and cheated out of a, a win against Auburn. I don't know if there's a letdown coming in to uh, coming uh, coming against Appala- Appalachian State, and you can burn Appalachian State secondary. I've seen a couple games with them. And, and they're not quick. They're not the best secondary. So if you can find a way to, to pass, if you can get that passing game going, Georgia State has a real chance with this. I will say this, though. I feel like after four games, the most complete team in the Sun Belt is Appalachian State. Uh, they played a great schedule. They played tough. Uh, they seem on both sides of the ball pretty stout. Even though we, even though I said you can burn that secondary, it's still in the defense. And you're right, uh, Ben. Nobody's running on them either. Uh, they've won close games. They've had blowout games. They're just a good, solid team. Georgia State finds a way to win this game. That is going to be a a calling card or a a, a, a a trumpet sound for Georgia State in that in that in that team. But I really do think Appalachian State probably does pull that out. Red Wolves go to Georgia Southern. I think the Red Wolves win it. I think there's just too much chaos going on right now in Statesboro for them to really know. That just amplifies the issues they had that probably got Lunsford in trouble to begin with. I have a hard time, though, when we had Matt on and he was talking about uh, things going on in the program. I would love to be 28 and 21 over the past four years. With bowl wins, it's it, it's so interesting to hear the other side of the fence and 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 how the expectations are. Um, you know, I, I maybe it was just me, but you know, I I've digressed. Well, I'll tell you, they, they what, just they just don't like losing, fellas. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes to. They don't tolerate it at all, and, and it, it just is the mindset from you know, as I kind of mentioned with Matt, the old guard and the new guard. Uh, they don't do it, and they don't want to lose at home. Uh, they're embarrassed by losing, um, and they don't tolerate it. And um, I, I think it's it's very interesting. Uh, they've already had players jump in the portal, as we know. It's week four, so this is you know the the week that uh, guys can maintain their red shirt. Um, obviously, suspending Gavin Adcock for you know chugging that beer basically on the bus. I mean, he he's a player. He he plays for them. He's not a walk on. Uh, he, he's a senior, you know, defensive tackle um, that played snaps in that Louisiana game. Uh, you're removing him from the roster indefinitely. He came out with an apology already. I, I just don't know how good they are on the line of scrimmage. I don't know how good they are at the quarterback position. Um, if you if you do slow the run there, they do have very good running backs, obviously. Um, but if you slow the run at all, uh, I think uh, Arkansas State wins. And uh, I, I just haven't I'm, – I'm not convinced they can stop Arkansas State. Well, here's my thing about, too, about that bus incident. You would never see behavior like that on a, on a well-run football team. You just wouldn't. Now, it might be a party thing to do. It might have been a crowd pleaser. The football team itself might have thought that was just radical. But quite frankly, a coach that has control over his team, that never even occurs to them to do something like that. I, I've seen uh, teams with, with player coaches, and that's usually what happens. Everything gets lax. 
uh, people don't practice as hard. They don't practice as long. They think, oh, coach is just, you know, coach go less out early. We're going to have some beers or whatever. And pretty soon you get a one in three record like Georgia Southern has. And I, I, I can feel like it's been more like the Georgia Southern itself. It just seems to be sort of corroding in a way when it comes to that winner's mentality. It doesn't seem, they don't seem to have it right now. So I agree with Matt on that. Now, Dusty, I agree. 28 and 21 or whatever it was three bowl games i i you can't really argue with that i i i, I don't know what they expect out of georgia southern but I, obviously they expect more than what they have in my review again uh, my review for the game i said both teams are one-dimensional both teams are dysfunctional right now the dysfunction though in state borough is a little deeper than it is in jonesboro and i think arkansas state actually does pick up their first conference win of the season Sunbelt West Showdown. Louisiana Lafayette goes to Mobile to play the Jaguars. I don't have a pick in that game because I think that they are almost one in the same <laughs> team. But the winner of that, I think, is your Sunbelt West champion. Yes, I'm claiming them this early. That is a big statement there, Hoss. I like that, Dusty. I, I, you know what? And you could be right, you know, to come to think of it. It is really hard to take a look at this South Alabama team and determine whether or not they're a great team or not. They haven't blown anybody out. They haven't really, uh, they've played some okay programs, but they haven't like shown like or demonstrated this sort of domination, but neither has uh, the Cajuns for that matter. You know, they, they came uh, up against Georgia Southern, admittedly probably a desperate team looking to, to turn their fortunes around and probably played the best they could possibly play. But the Cajuns haven't really looked that good this year, in my opinion. So one of these teams is going to have to establish itself on Saturday. And I have a feeling it might be this young upstart South Alabama team. I'm going to put my chips on Alabama. South Alabama, not Alabama. Yeah, you, you all, yeah ch chips on Alabama is always a good idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm intrigued by this game a ton, too. You know, we, we've, we've bragged, obviously – um, you know, about Jake Bentley and his ability to, to come out and win. But I mean, Kane Walmack is, he's, he's put a game plan together and, and they're, they're a salty defense and uh, the Cajuns can be had. There are mistakes there. Um, I think you think Georgia Southern laid that, that groundwork out for that. And I think, um, you know, again, you, you've got some weapons there in Tolbert. Um, you can, you know, take some shots. Um, I think the Cajuns defense is good. So maybe not great. Um, I, I think honestly, it's, it's going to be one of the games of the weekend, certainly to watch uh, with, with no rooting interest on my part, just, just to see, all right, what do we learn coming out of it? There's only one non-conference game. Troy travels to South Carolina this week. I think this is a statement game for Troy, and I think that they can win it. If they lose, though, I think they're done for the year. <laughs> but I do think that they do somehow pull out this win. I agree with about half of what you say. Uh, I agree that it is a statement game, and it would be if they lose, Troy is done for the season. I don't think Troy wins. Not simply not, – I don't even know anything about South Carolina, to tell you the truth. Uh, they're the Gamecocks. I've heard that the SEC. Gamecocks. can't confirm that. I, I, know, I know that they're from the East Coast. I don't know how good they are, but I do know there is something deeply, 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 profoundly wrong with that Troy offense right now. I don't know what it is. I couldn't put my finger on it, but they can't seem to score points. Uh, ben uh, pointed it out uh, in our uh, podcast last week. 
they're scoring 19 points a game. They couldn't score that against ULM. They only scored 16. There is something wrong with Troy and Chip Lindsay. And you used to look at Troy and go, that's a team that's going to score at least 30 on you every week. And now they can't even break 20. So I, I don't really see them having a chance against uh, South Carolina uh, simply because I don't think they have enough points in the bag. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. We've seen Troy make some great, uh, make some great stands against some more privileged teams out there. I just don't think it happens this Saturday. Yeah, I think I think the stat that really jumped out at me looking at Troy, uh, they're only averaging two point six yards per carry on the ground. They're an extremely one dimensional team. Uh, Kamani Vidal, you know, had a tremendous freshman season. Uh, was one of the best running backs, honestly, you know, freshman running backs in the nation. Uh, comes back this season not doing a whole lot. Uh, so uh, is it the offensive line? Is it the running game? Is it the play calling? That's on Chip Lindsey. You know, he's supposed to be the uh, the offensive guru there. Um, you know, he's coached in the SEC, so he obviously knows uh, a little bit about what South Carolina is going to be about. Um, but, uh, you know, it still uh, gave me pause when, when South Carolina was only a touchdown favorite in that game. It tells me a little something, something. Um, it may be close. Uh, it would be certainly a good good victory. Obviously, we know, um, you know, there South Carolina's not very good. They finally uh, have their graduate assistant quarterback back to the bench, uh, maybe back <laughs> to the coaching booth um, there. So Luke Doty's back, um, but they have a salty defense. Um, and uh, but but yeah, if Troy's one dimensional, it's going to be a long afternoon there, Williams Bryce. Guys, we've talked all along the rumors of conference realignment going on. I hate to tell you all this, ULM's leaving for Conference USA. Well, it's for beach volleyball, but they did oh, leave. Yeah. And, we'll and see you there. It. <laughs> I heard Georgia State was doing Georgia State's in Conference USA, too. And in Coastal Carolina, that's your actual Sunbelt teams there that did make that plunge. Not a big deal, but, you know, it's, it's kind of funny when you see the graphics of a ULM logo next to Conference USA. I'm sure it's Georgia weird. State and everyone else did the same. Somebody didn't read it. And, and we're panicking and in full just breakdown. <laughs> and I hope, honestly, it was Louisiana Tech fan seeing that ULM is now in Conference USA. I saw that. By the way, okay, forgive my ignorance because I don't know much about beach volleyball. But what conference were you guys in before that? It was a Sunbelt conference, right? Was it something else? I couldn't tell you what conference we were in. Yeah, so, ba so basically there was like a kind of a conglomeration. Um, and I think there's still only about 40 programs, 45, 50 programs that play uh, beach volleyball at this point. And, and you kind of have a concentration. You have uh, some that are in the south. And, of course, the west is very, very strong. Um, you know, it, it's 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 always tough to get matches, right, because you, you're trying to find locally. Um, I think the state of Georgia, I believe Mercer University has a team. Um, but, you know, I actually went to school uh, with the coach, Beth Van Fleet. Her and I took classes together at GSU. So, um, you know, she's a former AVP star. But, uh, yes, I am a name dropper. Uh, shout out to Coach Van Fleet and her, uh, her crew. But um, I, I will tell you, uh, if you get a chance to go to a beach volleyball match, I highly recommend it. Um, it moves very, very fast. Uh, you have multiple courts. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of talented uh, individuals there. And uh, because, hey, we talk about the transfer rule in football and basketball, uh, beach volleyball, you can go and transfer and be eligible immediately no matter what. So there are programs that load up with All-American candidates uh, every single year. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And, again, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Go out there with your favorite beverage there, Jeremy. You can uh, get your grab – a, grab a case of old duels and, uh, and watch the ladies. Well, I'll have to admit, you know, it, our equivalent of beach volleyball 
to you guys would be our bowling team. And it would probably be much more exciting to watch beach volleyball. Although I get really stoked for Red Wolves bowling. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll watch a ULM, a Warhawks or a Panthers beach volleyball game someday. If you guys come out to the bowling alley someday, watch those Red Wolves knock down a few pins. And by the way, you asked what conference we were in. It was the Coastal Collegiate Sports Association. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't have a shirt or anything that says that. <laughs> no, you need a hat. So I have a tattoo of it. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. But, all right, have we heard any realignment news, though? The big news that I've heard just recently is that it sounds like the uh, Americans going to pull that trigger on Colorado State and Air Force. What does that mean for the Sun Belt? It kind of means that we can just pick who we want, right? I definitely think that we're in the driver's seat, but I don't think that Keith Gill and company want to jump the gun because why would you want to, I know we're, we're, we're going to get beat up on, on our El Paso listeners, but why would you pick El Paso if you have a chance to get Southern Miss or UAB because they're looking to jump ship or they're, you know, available to join the Sun Belt. So I think you sit tight, you kind of let that first wave shake through, and then you jump. Yeah, but with the reporting today, specifically from Brett McMurphy Stadium, uh, talks specifically about Colorado State, State and Air Force. They're accepted. They're they're, they're expected to accept their invite uh, probably this week. Could be announced as early as next week. Uh, just how many more does the AAC add, if any? Um, then obviously what is the reaction specifically? Uh, there's a whole lot of Southern Miss smoke. Uh, we know how the fans, uh, our friends in Huntington, West Virginia, they are an excitable bunch. Uh, anytime Sunbelt gets mentioned, they want to be there. Um, and uh, also uh, very interested to see, uh, you know, what UAB does. Obviously, um, there's, there's just a whole lot, you know, a whole lot of swirling. And, uh, you know, the fun th- part about it is we'll probably have an answer to that question next Tuesday when we're on the podcast, boys. Yeah. Speaking of next week, uh, today was the first day of college basketball's practices. So we'll start cranking out college basketball previews next week. Troy Scott Cross will join us. I think we're working on getting Georgia State's uh, coach in on the podcast as well. I'm excited, guys. This is where it starts getting real is uh, when basketball season happens and football. Then you have the overlap of basketball, baseball. It's, It's nonstop chaos, and I love it. I want to remind you too that there's also overlap with bowling, so that that that, that kind of comes in during the winter time, and then there's sort of a spring season. So if you guys want me to get some bowlers on the uh, on the podcast, you let me know. Okay, I've I've got sort of an in in on that. We're we're all all inclusive here, Jeremy. We <laughs> we, we, we respect the bowlers. Okay, thank you very much. And on that note, we go with our parting shots promos and everything else fire away there ben sure uh panthertop.com has been been fun uh, as you mentioned the first first day of basketball practice for coach head coach rob lanier in his third season their final uh, final season at the venerable georgia state sports arena in downtown atlanta the panthers moved to a new 90 million dollar convocation center so we were talking to him today uh learned a whole lot about the squad returned all five starters and nine of 11 of their top players as well as 
uh, five new recruits in, uh, including former four-star recruit uh, Jordan Rawls from Western Kentucky. So he's excited, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, as you mentioned, practice is underway, looking forward to a big non-conference. And we have that covered. Of course, App State covered. Uh, we never stop talking about recruiting because recruiting never stops. And uh, looking forward to uh, to another game day on Saturday and, uh, and, and see the Panthers at home. Jeremy, fire away. Uh, you know, HowRazor.com has announced its first uh, sort of uh, early front runners for the Sunbelt Sheriff's Badge, which goes to the uh, intrepid Sunbelt athletic director who has laid down the law for other Sunbelt football programs to follow. Uh, the three leading candidates after four games is Doug Gillen from Appalachian State, Joel Erdman from South Alabama, and Scott McDonald out of ULM. We're all excited about Scott McDonald, the, what he has done for this Warhawks program. You know, there was a lot of talk about maybe the Warhawks should, should sort of reevaluate the entire stay of the program. And they did. They said, let's bring in Terry uh, Bowden. Let's go ahead and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and make some noise in the Sun Belt. And they have. They're the, they come into the Sun Belt. Uh, conference play 1-0, and just like their friends, Louisiana Lafayette. And uh, uh, so, yeah, very good start by Scott McDonald and those other two guys. My parting shot. Guys, I don't know about your school, but even going back to Monroe last week, you cannot find any gear that you actually want to be seen out in public wearing for your school. When is that going to change? I don't want a pink ULM shirt. I want a maroon shirt. And then when I wash it, it becomes pink. Help me out with this guys. Whoever is listening to this that can help with that. That's who we need. Oh, man, you know what? We're lucky at Arkansas State. We have some pretty handsome merchandise, so I'm pretty happy with the selection. I am upset that you cannot find gorgeous ULM Warhawks uh, merchandise easily available at your local Walmart or Costco or whatever. It should be readily available, especially there in Monroe. And let's face it, the logo's good logo. The, the, the colors are good colors. They're pretty handsome, so... Uh, you know, I, you need, we need to shake down some vendors and see, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, here's what I had to do, Dusty. All right. I, 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 I don't take all credit for this, but I did do a lot of complaining about 10 years ago on the Twitter platform about the lack of availability of Red Wolves merchandise, not just in the state of Arkansas, which was tragic, but also in the city of Jonesboro, which was a shame. Within that 10 years of just complaining and, and, and crying and bitching about the whole thing, now we've got really good options for it. So I think what you need to do, Dusty, is just be loud. You know, get out there and complain endlessly. Uh, when, you, when you write a tweet about it, make sure you tag Dick's Sporting Goods or Walmart or whomever that you need to tag and shame them into supporting Monroe and it's and it's a brilliant school ULM. I know on the flip side of that, people got to buy it when it's there. I mean, there's a reason I'm sure that you go to Walmart and you can get a true, you know, purple and gold shirt and everything else. Um, people got to buy it. 
Uh, you know what? If you win more games like you did against Troy, then people are going to buy that stuff. My statement before the season, double the wins. Mission accomplished. Thank you and good night. <laughs> good work. Good work, Dusty. <laughs> Other than that, guys, while I was in Monroe, a, a, a good compliment to you all that I'll leave you all with. Okay. People love the show. They were coming up to me, talking to me about the show more so than about my website, ULM Recruiting, or anything else. Um, as I walked to the Grove, everyone was like, the podcast is great. Podcast is great. It's awesome. Awesome. Keep it up. Keep it up. So there you are, Jeremy. I can see your head swelling. <laughs> I'm sure it's all me and not you other guys. So I will be taking a, a cut of a b- deeper cut of the profits from now on. <laughs> I like it. All right, guys, that's all we got for you. Uh, we'll do it again next week. And, and, you know, as always, any kind of emergency episodes could drop if there's any kind of conference realignment. Jeremy, you know, decides that he's going to go rogue and he's going to start a, a Southland Conference podcast. You never know what's going to happen with that guy. I definitely have it on the, uh, in the works. We'll see if it ever comes to fruition. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.